you'll open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, All things are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, there's a story of a a farmer in Africa, and his farm was a very, uh, the land wasn't all that fertile, the part of Africa that he was in. It was kind of rocky, kind of rugged type terrain. And it was hot and it was humid. And he would uh, go out in the evening and he would sit on some of the piles of rocks and he'd sit there and he'd look towards heaven and he would complain about how rough he had it on that piece of property. He just would complain and complain and complain. And it seems that after that farmer died, that piece of property passed on to his relatives. And one of his relatives opened it up and they began to do some mining there. And it's now uh, one of the largest diamond mines in Africa. And it's located on the very spot where this man used to sit and complain. And as I was thinking about that, are we sitting on a diamond mine or on a gold mine? And are we so insensitive to the fact that of what we have that we just sit around complaining about it? In verse 22 here it says, All things are yours. I want you to underscore that. All things are yours. Someone said, It's folly under the sun to live live above one's means. It is the folly of every Christian that they live spiritually far below their means of grace and godliness. They are like poor people who have come into a large estate and cannot for some time adapt themselves to their altered position or comfort themselves to the benefits uh, that benefits their condition. And so I... As I read these things, as I thought about these things, 
I had to ask myself, are we taking advantage of everything that is ours as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I falling short of the grace of God? God wants to do so much. God wants to give us so much. Am I falling short of what God could do for me? I believe that every church ought to be living in the abundant life. There ought to be the gifts of the Spirit being poured out upon the church. We ought to be able to, if I'm sick, I ought to be able to call for the elders of the church, and I ought to receive a healing. Amen? There ought to be someone in the church who is gifted in the gifts of the Spirit of healing that they could come forth and pray for me and healing would take place. Amen? I guess the question I'm asking, do I have everything that God has? If I don't have everything that God has for us, then why not? And so let us look at the inventory of the believer's possessions here that are listed before us. And the right or the character by which they belong to us. First of all, let's look at the property. Verse 21. It says, For all... And we could underscore that all, all things are yours. All things are yours. How about if we just try that on for size? Let's everyone say, all things are mine. All things are mine through Christ Jesus. Amen? I don't know what it's going to take to get that from here to here, from the head to the heart. You see, this estate that is ours is real and it's a movable estate. It has a permanent character and yet it uh, may be taken by the Christian wherever he goes. We can enjoy this uh, uh, real estate that God has given us. Uh, we can enjoy it anywhere, anytime. A rich, uh, a man rich in this world's goods has limits. His real estate is immovable. His money is perishable. But ours is everlasting. It's forever. <coughs> the Christian can enjoy his riches anywhere and everywhere. You can take a, you can take a Christian and you could strip him naked, cast him shipwrecked upon a desert island, and he would still be rich. 
Location has nothing whatsoever to do with it. You know, the fact that you're not located in the Bible Belt has nothing whatsoever to do with it. We are rich in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, you can spoil a Christian from his earthly goods. You can reduce him to the poorhouse. And yet, he remains rich. When he has nothing, still he possesses, what's it say? All things. Hallelujah. What are some of the things that he possesses? Let's look at our scripture here. What are some of the things that he possesses? First of all, he possesses the Christian ministry, which we see in Paul or Apollos or Cephas. You see, the church is not the ministry, but the ministry is for the church. And the Corinthians didn't belong to these great preachers. These great preachers belonged to the Corinthians. And we have such a rich storehouse of evangelists and, and uh, preachers. And you can turn on the radio and over the airways, you'll hear men who are great preachers, but they're ours. They belong to us. Amen? Praise God. Uh, Ephesians 4, 7 through 12, if you want to turn there. It says that when uh, Christ died, or when Christ rose... It says, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 7, chapter 4 of Ephesians. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Skip on down to verse 11. And he himself gave some apostles, some uh, prophets, some Evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And the teachers in this church are our gifts. Your pastor is a gift to you. He is being used for your edification, for your well-being. And so we need to take advantage. The, all things are ours, including all these gifts that Christ has given to us. Amen? So the next thing I see here in 1 Corinthians 13 that was, is a gift to us is the world. The world. Not just, not just this little hunk of space right here. Everything is ours. The whole world is ours. Amen? You know, Satan, he's the...
prince of power of the air, and he thinks he owns this world. I got news for him. Jesus bought and paid for this earth, and it's ours through Jesus Christ. He only thinks he's, he's got control. Amen? We are the salt of the earth, and we're to take control. We're to possess. We're to take possession. Amen? Occupy till I come, Jesus said. Someone said, the world is a bad master, but it's a useful servant. And anything in this world that is not sinful may be used by us and made serviceable for our happiness and our progress and our edification. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 31 Those who, it, here it talks about those who use this world as not misusing it. We're to, we, we are, to, we, anything we need. My father owns all the gold and the silver. All the cattle on a thousand hills are his. Anything that I need is available to me through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's for our use. Amen? All things are... Whose? Amen. Hallelujah. The next thing I see here that we have in this storehouse of things, talking about all things being ours, the next thing I see here is life. Life. Life with all its vicissitudes and possibilities and sorrows and joy and trials and success. They're all ours. It's quite a difference to the Christian as compared to the non-Christian. We need not to be helpless. We don't need to be in despair. We can be sure that circumstances of our life are ordered by our Heavenly Father. We can be sure that the lines of our life are drawn by our Heavenly Savior. I believe that God knows the beginning from the end. I believe that He knew me before when I was being formed in my mother's womb. He knew me. I believe that He knows all about me. He knows what He's doing with my life. He has everything under control. As long as I am giving myself to Him, He will control me. He will take care of me. He will feed me. He will make sure that everything that I need is provided. Amen? And then the next thing here 
says that we are also a possessor, all things being uh, part of the things is death. Death is ours. You know, death can be a frightening thing. Death to the non-Christian is an end. Death to the non-Christian is frightening, scary. But you know, to us it's no longer a grisly terror, but it's a transition from one plane to another. We're just leaving this life and we're going to life everlasting. We're leaving this world but we're going into the very presence of God. Death, like life, is in the hands of God and is made to serve His interests. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Amen? That's what it says. Romans 8, 28, we're, we're promised that He makes all things work together for good for them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. And so we can rest assured, even if we know that death is imminent, we can rest assured that I'm in the hands of God. So even death is ours. And then... The next thing we see here in this catalog of things that are ours, it says things present. Things present. That means everything that's in the here and now. That's what in the present means, isn't it? In the here and now. Everything is mine through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian has the promise that he will uh, lack for no good thing. Isn't that a good promise? You shall not lack for one good thing. He doesn't say, he said he would supply all of my needs, but he never said that he would supply all of my greeds. But I believe God will supply our needs. The things that seem evil, the wounds, the losses, the disappointments, all tend to exercise our faith. And so even when we're wounded or if we suffer a loss, really... God is making all things work together for good. He's trying to expand my faith if I'll allow Him to. And Bert was reading a book the other day, and uh, I guess he borrowed it off Alice, Prison to Praise. And one of the things in that book that it talks about is praising God in spite of the situation. And 
as we praise God, He's able to utilize and help us to grow in the things of God. See, when we, when we begin to complain, we're only fighting against God. God has a plan. He has an order for our life. And if we'll just praise God, regardless of the fact that of the situation we're in, God is trying to get us to really trust Him. To be thankful people. He's trying to change something in us. And a lot of times, we pray for people, you know, they get into a bad situation. The first thing we say, Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Let this person go. Cut those loose those finances. La, 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 la. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes we may be praying against God. God may be trying to work something out in that person's life. So what we need to do is that we need to learn to trust God. And then the next thing I find in this catalog of things is things to come. Things to come. You know, this isn't an end. This also shall come to pass. This world is passing away. One day, he's going to roll up the heavens as a scroll, the Bible tells us. Amen? This earth is going to pass away with a fervent heat. This world is dying. I don't know why we want to hang on to the things of this world. We're also promised things in the future. Now, I don't know everything that's in the future. I may not know the future, but I want to tell you something. I know who holds the future. And he has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he has gone to prepare a place for us, he will come again and he will receive us unto himself. I just believe it's going to be so beautiful that words won't even describe it. What a comfort to know that my future lies in the hands of God. That it doesn't depend on me. Amen? I want you to look at Romans 8.38. This is some of my favorite scripture here. Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not the present, not the future. Nothing. Everything is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So secondly, I want to talk about the security of all this property that I've just cataloged here for you. 
You see, the Christian holds all through Christ. Everything. It says here in verse, the last part of verse 22, it says, All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ's is God's. We belong to God. We belong to Christ. We're, Christ everything that Christ... Uh, Christ got everything that belongs to God. God, uh, God the Father. Jesus has everything, and everything that He has belongs to us. Amen? We are part of a godly family. And it tells us over in Romans 8.17, it says... If children, then heirs. It's like you open up a will and, and you begin to read the will. And this is the will, by the way. This is the New Testament. A testament is, is a will. This is Christ's will to us. And right here it says, all are yours. It's all mine. I've received it all. Glory to God. I am sole heir. He's given me everything. Woo! I'm rich. Who was it? Uh, Brother Leahy stood up here and he said something about he, he just received this great big amount of money. I, I forgot what it was. Huh? An inheritance. Well, I have received an inheritance. You have received an inheritance. Everything that belongs to God the Father belongs to us. Hallelujah. If children, then heirs and, and joint heirs of, uh, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 17. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Everything that belonged to God belongs to you. You've inherited everything lock, stock, and barrel. It's yours. Hallelujah. Believers inherit through Christ and His God becomes our God. His Father becomes our Father. His blood, we inherit. We inherit His blood. We inherit His merits. We inherit His spirit. We inherit His victories. Say it with me. All things are mine. All things are mine. Hallelujah. If we could ever grasp that concept... That everything that the Father has, He's not withholding one good thing. Everything. He gave it all to us. It's ours. Well, I'll guarantee you, if you were to open a will tonight, and you said that you inherited $10 million, Everybody in here would be jumping up and down. 
I just read to you where you've inherited the whole world and I can't get a rise out of most of you. (laughs) Amen. The world's yours. Everything's yours. Glory to God. There's a story of a father who was moving into a new residence. And the accommodations were so much greater than where they had lived before. It was more ample in all ways. In substance, it was so much richer. And his young son, who was just a little tot, still a lisping little infant, went running through every room in the house. He, he examined and he looked at every piece of, of uh, furniture, every, everything that was on display in the house. And he kept calling out, Is it ours, Father? Is it ours? Is it ours, Father? Is it ours? And the father would keep saying, yes, 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 it's ours. And you could tell by the glow on father's face. And you could tell by the twinkle in his eye that he was so pleased that the the boy was so excited and he wasn't saying, is it mine? He wasn't saying, is it yours? But he said, is it ours? And I think it would just please Father if we would begin to realize that everything is ours. Not just mine, not just yours, but it belongs to Father. It belongs to us because we belong to Father. Amen? And we ought to get excited about it. Go examine it and say, Hey, Father, is that ours? Glory to God. I accept it in the name of Jesus. Is it ours? Is it ours? And I assure you, everything is ours. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bernie, would you close with a word of prayer? Hallelujah.